And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. I want to talk to you about God being our all in all. And as you're turning, just bow your heads, close your eyes. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Just come now, right now, in Jesus' mighty name. Come and minister to every person in this house. Come and minister to every, every person watching online, every person that will be watching on Fox rebroadcast, everybody that will be listening to this podcast. We bind every devil and we welcome the Holy Spirit of God in Jesus mighty name and the people of God say amen and amen and amen never preached on this subject before but the subject is that God may be all in all so you see for thousands of years philosophers have been asking the question what's the purpose of this universe They've been asking, why is man on this earth? And dear ones, the purpose is that God may be all in all. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28. Paul's finishing up this passage, and these, look at these last words from the Apostle Paul. He says, so that God may be all in all. Read those last words with me, so that God may be all in all. Now when this coronavirus first started making headlines back in January, February, it started affecting all of us in March. But I started getting phone calls and people would drop by to see me and sometimes after service folks would come up and they said, Pastor, do you believe that this is the last days? Do you think this is one of those diseases that's going to wipe out mankind? And I said, I certainly believe that we are in the last days. One person spoke up and they said, well, pastor, do you believe, do you believe that this could be the days of Revelation chapter 6, verse 8, which talks about the pale horse and rider that will actually take out one fourth of the world's population? And I had to think about that for a minute. And I said, you know. My understanding is that Romans, excuse me, Revelation chapter 6 is during the great tribulation. I don't believe that we are in the great tribulation yet. Now Paul said that in the last days perilous times will come. Difficult, hard to understand and hard to get along times will come. But we're not yet living, I believe, in the great tribulation. But we are living in the last days. In fact, I can find nothing in the scripture that would prevent... Jesus from descending from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those of us that remain shall rise to be with them with the Lord so shall we ever be with the Lord therefore comfort one another with those words aren't you glad Jesus is coming back I am so glad he's coming back now Paul references this in verse 28 excuse me, verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, then the end will come. See, one day Jesus is going to wrap this thing up. Then the end will come. Now, let me just say this. I don't believe this CD19, the coronavirus, is going to wipe out the population of the world. 
I, I just don't believe it. I'll, I'll give you biblical scriptural reason. Jesus talked about what it was going to be like before he came back over in Matthew chapter 24. I don't have this on the on the screens, but just listen carefully. But as the days of Noah were, remember Noah was back in the book of Genesis. He prepared an ark that saved a few people before the flood. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, so they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. It doesn't say they were social distancing. Come on. It says they were eating and drinking. They were having a party. They were having a feast. They were enjoying being together. As in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now watch this. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So they will also, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 44. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. He's coming in the twinkling of an eye. He's coming for those that are watching and waiting who have their lamps trimmed and burning. He's coming for those who have their garments spotless. He's coming for his bride and he's going to take his bride to forever be with him. Now Paul was thinking about that verse 24 when he says, then the end will come. Now watch this. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. You see, one day Jesus is going to turn the divine government of this world over to God the Father. After, this is important because this is going to precede Jesus giving the keys of the kingdom back to God. After he has destroyed all dominion. You see, every evil force that would array itself against God, against his word, against our Lord Jesus Christ is going to be destroyed. That's what the Bible says. Every dominion is going to be destroyed. Every authority is going to be destroyed. And every power, every principality. Dear ones, I want you to know all that opposes God, all that opposes his kingdom, all that opposes righteousness, all that opposes his word will be destroyed. I've had people ask me, how can a, how can a loving God, how can a loving God allow anyone, no matter what kind of life they've lived or what they've done, how can he allow them to be destroyed? And dear ones, I would suggest to you that God doesn't send anybody to hell, but people's own sins is what sends them to hell. It's the stubbornness and the hardness of their heart. All that opposes God is going to be destroyed one day. And, and if you don't know this, I want you to know it and write it down and understand it. The devil is a defeated foe. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. He is not a roaring lion. He's masquerading as a roaring lion. On the cross, Jesus proclaimed, it is finished, and he died, and he destroyed principalities and powers. And when he rose again, we find him in Revelation chapter 1, saying, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys to death and to hell. He says, I stripped them from the enemy. The devil is a defeated foe. Hallelujah. Romans 16, verse 20. Paul says, the very God of peace shall crush Satan under the preacher's feet. The very God of peace shall crush Satan under some really special saint's feet. It's not what it says. 
It says, the very God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. Jesus told his disciples, behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Man, I was a young assistant pastor at Trinity Chapel in St. Augustine, Florida, many, many moons ago. And I was in my office one day. I was the only one there. And I thought all the doors were locked. And I heard a door open and close. And I assumed it was one of the pastors or one of the secretaries. But guess what? It wasn't. It was somebody who came in. And they were an angry person. This guy was about six foot three, long, stringy red hair. He came into the doorway of my office. And he began cursing me. He began using every foul language he could, a foul word he could come up with. His language was, was terrible. He began telling me he was going to kill me. He began telling me that he was going to pull my lungs out of my throat and he started aggressively coming towards me and at that point in time you know that fight or flight syndrome kicked in with me and I didn't know there really wasn't a good way to get out the window behind me wasn't big enough for me to get through and I didn't know what I was going to do but I found myself standing up and I pointed my finger at that guy I said gentlemen I said sir I don't know who you are but right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I'm asking you to sit down and be quiet and he looked at me and he just stood there. So I said it again. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you sit down and be quiet. And he sat down like a whipped puppy. Now, again, he was, just a few seconds before, he was telling me how he was going to kill me. And how he was going to pull my, my lungs through my throat. So now he's sitting down. And I thought, well, I'm not going to let him get back up. So I went around behind him and I put my hands on his shoulder. And I began to take authority over the devil. I began to cast out every kind of devil I could think of. I think I even made up some. But I'm telling you, I was taking authority over the devil. I was remembering that Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. And dear ones, that young man, I say the young man, he was older than me. That man got deliverance that day. It wasn't that many months later that Kathy and I moved to Virginia and I was preaching back at Trinity Chapel at Christmas time. And and I was amazed to look up on the platform and standing with the choir was a fellow about six foot three with long red hair. But he had a smile on his face and he was giving Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. Glory. Somebody say hallelujah. 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 Bruce and Lanita, I just, let's just brag on God for a little bit about, you know, their 22-year-old son Isaac had surgery in Jacksonville. Was that the Mayo Clinic? The Mayo Clinic. They thought there's a, a big mass of cancer there. And they did take out a big mass. But most of it wasn't cancer. Most of it was just some kind of mass. And they got it. There was a little bit of cancer. But we just thank Jesus. We thank God that he's the beginning and the end of our faith. We thank God that Jesus is our healer. We thank God that he's the first and the last. We thank God that he's in charge even when we don't understand it and our heart is aching. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, this old devil is a defeated foe. Huh. Then the end will come, verse 24, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion and authority and power. And he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. He, Jesus, must reign until he, Jesus, has put all his, Jesus, enemies under his, Jesus' feet. 
The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Do you catch that? The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Revelation chapter 20, where it talks about the great white throne judgment, which is for sinners and unbelievers. Revelation chapter 20 says these words, it says, and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. See, God did not create death when he created the world. Death came because of man's sin. In fact, it says over in Romans chapter 8 verse 2, it says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. See, there's a law for people who choose not to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, for people who choose to live in iniquity, who do choose to do their own thing, who choose not to obey God's word. There's a law of sin and death and that law of sin and death will take you down the wrong road. See, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll hold you longer than you want to stay and it'll make it really hard to get back to the father. But just like the prodigal, he says, how many of my father's children, how many of my father's servants have it better than I? He says, I'm going to get back to the father's house. And dear ones, I'm going to tell you, if you're in iniquity, if you're in sin, if you're in rebellion against God, you need to start making your way back to the Father because the Father stands with wide open arms. Jesus said, come unto me all you, that, all you that hunger and are thirst and I will give you something to drink. I'll give you the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, God didn't create death. Death came about because of sin. And sometimes death affects us. You know, I heard of a pastor whose wife died and they had three children. They had the funeral, then they had the burial, then his congregation fixed a nice meal for the family. And then the pastor and his three kids are finally driving home and they lived about 45 minutes away from the church. And as they drove, they, they passed an 18-wheeler going the other direction. Now, the pastor had been praying, saying, God, would you give me some words of encouragement to speak to my kids? I don't know what to say. We've just lost their mother. I've just lost my wife. I've lost my mate. Lord, I don't know what to say. And they passed this 18-wheeler, and the shadow of that big truck passed over them. Suddenly, the pastor knew what to say. He turned to his kids. He said, hey, kids, would you rather be hit by an 18-wheeler, or would you rather just the shadow pass over you? And the 12-year-old son said, oh, dad, that's easy. I'd much rather have the shadow pass over us because then that's not going to hit us. He says, kids, that's what death has been like for your mom. That's what death is like for a Christian. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yes, there is death, but death does not eternally hold us because she's now with the Lord and we're going to see her again. And death is not a goodbye. Death is I'll see you later. And, and David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is a valley of the shadow of death. My dad died about three months ago. And I, and I know I'm going through the stage of grieving. I know I, I miss him. I tell Kathy, I, I miss him all the time, but there are some days I especially miss him. And there are some days I would love to ask him some questions and I would love to hear his answers and I would love to pray with him and I'd love to just talk to him about things. And, and, I, and I miss him really bad. And I know from books I've read, uh, and they, they say that, that when you expect somebody to pass away, that, that this grieving will last for up to two years, maybe longer. If you don't expect them to pass, if they die from an accident, it may take three years. It may take four years. 
Here's the deal. We sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. See, I said, I said, not goodbye to dad on April the 20th. I just got to say, I'll see you later because in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, behold, I go to prayer a place for you that where I am, you may be also. You see, one day I'm going to see him again. Hallelujah. One day it's either because the trumpet of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and those who remain are going to join them or my day and time will come, but I'm going to see him again. And Darren's death is swallowed up. The Bible says in victory for the believer. The reason it's swallowed up in victory is because the devil is a defeated foe and Jesus holds the keys to death and hell and he says the last enemy that's going to be destroyed is an enemy called death everybody look at me hear me some of you you've lost loved ones some of you you know the pain some of you are still experiencing it the pain of not having them there was the good news for Christians is that we get to see him again. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And it's just as I look out at you, some of you, I, I don't think I've seen since, since March, since we had to stop holding services because of the COVID stuff. Man, it's, it's good. Liz, I don't know if I've seen you since then. It's good to see you. You've been in Panama City? Yeah, okay. Man, some of the rest of you, it is good to see you. Hallelujah. I tell you, this thing's not going to last. It's not going to last. I don't know when it's going to be over with, but it is going to be over with. He says, the last enemy to be destroyed, verse 26, is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when he says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him. Now, watch this. So that God may be all in all. What's the purpose for this universe? It's that God may be all in all. What's the purpose for you? me being here is that God may be all in all. You say, well, Pastor Terrell, I thought it was so that we could be saved. I, saw, I thought it was so we could make heaven our home one day. I thought it was so that we could have life and ever more abundantly. And all of that is true. But dear ones, the day is going to come that everything is going to get wrapped up and God is going to be all in all. And here's, here's what I want you to hear. God wants to be your all in all right now. The Lord doesn't want you just to have a little bit of salvation. You just have a little bit of fire insurance so that you can make heaven your home. There's so much more to this following Christ than just making heaven our home. Thank God for heaven. Thank God for eternity. But God wants to be our all in all in all in all in all. When I'm having a good day, God wants to be my all in all. When I'm having a bad day, God wants to be my all in all. When things are going great and I'm prospering, God wants to be my all in all. And when things are challenging and I'm feeling down, God still wants to be my all in all because he's the first, he's the last, he's the beginning, he's the end, he's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the bright star, the, the bright star, I can't say it, bright shining star. I'm telling you, he's coming again. Glory to God. Do you have a purpose for your life? 
Do you have a purpose statement? Have you, have you prayed and taken the Bible and, 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 and read it and, and pressed in a prayer and come up with a purpose for it? It's, it's got to be more than just surviving today. It's got to be more than just having a little, little bread on the table tomorrow. It's got to be more than just having the rent paid. Come on. We need to have a purpose that's bigger than us. A purpose that'll get us up in the morning. A purpose that'll put us to bed at night. A purpose that'll keep you going when things aren't going so good. Years and years ago, I came up with a purpose statement. Here it is. I, Terrell, I'm a big, bald guy who wants to help as many people as possible make heaven their home. That's my, that gets me up in the morning. That keeps me going. Not only that, but in the meantime, I live for God. I live for Jesus because Jesus wants to be my all in all. And I know that once everything is said and done, once we're through the events of the book of Revelation, God is going to be all in all. And I just want him to be my all in all now. When things are going good, I want him to be my all in all. And when things are troublesome and my heart's breaking, he's still my all in all. Folks, it's so easy to curse the darkness. It's so easy to gripe and grumble. It's so easy to get down. But God says, I want to be your all in all. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on. I'm preaching pretty good right now. Glory to God. You know, when Kathy and I were young, we made Psalms 32. Well, Kathy says she's still young. We made Psalms 32 verses 8 and 9. One of our life verses. I encourage you to do that. Find verses that can become part of your life story. See, I was a senior at Emmanuel College. I was engaged to Kathy. I had a diamond on her finger. What she didn't know is that it took about every, every penny I had to buy that diamond and put it on her finger. I'd gotten her dad and mom's permission to marry her. I told them I'd take good care of her. I only had a problem. I was a senior in, in college. I had about a, a month left of, 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 of that semester, and then I was going to graduate, and I didn't have any money. And we had, we had a wedding date, August 1st. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. A lot of my classmates we're going and getting jobs. I, I applied for this and I applied for that and I tried to make some things happen. It didn't happen. And here I am a month before I'm graduating. I don't have, things don't look too good. I'm telling you, when things don't look too good, that's when God wants to be your all in all. I was praying one night and I read my, the, the scripture and I turned to Psalms. Just happened to, third, I wasn't playing Russian roulette with the Bible, but I kind of was. Psalms 32 verses 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye upon you. Only be not like the horse and be not like the mule who will not come to you unless with bit and bridle. The Passion Translation says, be not like the horse or like the mule who is stubborn. Do you know any stubborn Christians? Have you ever looked in the mirror? All of us have got that propensity to be stubborn. But dear ones, I've learned over the years. When things aren't going good, that's the time to look up to heaven and say, God, you're my all in all. You're my alpha and you're my omega. You're my beginning and my end. Lord, you're the first, you're the last. 
God gave us that scripture, Psalms 32, verse 8. I got on the phone and shared it with Kathy. We began praying. It's a good thing when God speaks to you from his word, it's especially when it's a promise, start praying that promise back to God. We started praying it. I graduated from school, still didn't have any jobs, still didn't have any money. I'm counting the days now until August 1st, till we get married. Came back here to Tallahassee because this is where mom and dad lived. I was this close to going to getting a job with UPS. But I kept getting a check down in my heart. It's not right. And two weeks later, I met Pastor George Bass from Trinity Chapel in St. Augustine. I didn't know George was looking for a youth pastor and an associate pastor and an all-in-one kind of guy. But I turned out to be that guy for him. I didn't make a whole lot of money. But you know what? God worked it out. We got an apartment right on Davis Shores over in St. Augustine, which on the inlet uh, facing j- just down from the lighthouse, we actually could see the inlet from where we were. We had fishing docks. We had it was beautiful, beautiful. It was gorgeous. We couldn't have drawn it up any nicer. God took care of us. But dear ones, God was waiting to see what was I going to do because it was a month before I was graduating and I was starting to panic because I didn't have any money and I didn't have a job and I couldn't make good. I didn't, have, didn't know where I was going to put my new bride. Dear ones, I'm happy to tell you this year we'll, we'll be married 44 years in August. And I can stand here and tell you, just like David, I've been young and now I'm older, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. God has always come through. Now, he hasn't always done it the way I wanted him to. Have you ever prayed one of those prayers? God, here's what I need. And then you tell him how to do it like he needs our help. He rarely does it the way I ask him to do it. And he rarely comes with the answer in advance, he's usually the God of 1259, but he's always been faithful. He's always been faithful because he's the God that's more than enough. He's El Shaddai and our El Shaddai, who is the God that's more than enough, wants to be the God that supplies all your need and the God that you look to and say, God, you're my all in all. It doesn't matter if things are going good or things are going lousy. You are my all in all. It doesn't matter if people are attacking me or people are, are doing things they shouldn't do. Maybe they're stealing from me. Maybe they're lying about me. It doesn't matter, Lord. You're my all in all and you're the glory and lifter of my head. And you're going to make it work out. Hallelujah. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro over the face of the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are upright before him. See, God's looking at our hearts. And I've said this before, but I want you to hear me. So many times you and I are wondering God, can I trust you? Oh, I'm having a hard time trusting you. And God's looking down from heaven saying, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Remember Joseph? Joseph is sold by his brothers into slavery. The Bible says God was with him. Because God was his all in all. He's lied about, accused falsely of rape, ends up in prison. But he didn't throw in the towel. God was with him. God was his all in all. God was watching. How's he going to respond? Then he's taken from the prison to the palace. And he ends up administrating trillions and quadrillions 
of dollars, Egyptian dollars, to save the posterity of Israel because God was looking. Dear ones, when you're going through tough times, God's looking to see how you're responding and if you're going to have a response of faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God because God's asking himself, who can I trust? Who's going to be faithful with little? Because Jesus said, he that's faithful in little will also be made faithful in much. Who is faithful? Who can I trust? Who's going to serve my purposes for me? I'll tell you, God's got some big plans. Let me just prophesy over you. God's got some big plans for you. Some of you, you, your God is too small. You need to trade him in and get a bigger God because our God's the God of the universe. He's the creator of all that exists. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. God's got some big plans for you. God's got some big plans for you. In fact, if God showed you how big his plans are, it might scare you. You might back off. Somebody said at every level there's a new devil. Yeah, but he's defeated. And if you'll keep taking your authority over the devil. Romans 16 verse 20 says the very God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. Hallelujah. Think about Abraham. He, he leaves Ur of the Chaldees and he goes to a, a place a thousand miles away. He didn't know, but God's leading him. And he counted God faithful. God's going to lead you. Hear me now. He's going to lead you in some things that you may not understand. You're going to have to walk in things you don't understand. When Mary found herself pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she says to the angel, how could this be? She had to walk in what she did not understand. And she had to explain that to her mom and daddy. Joseph was thinking about putting her aside because he figured she had been with some other fellow. And the angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph in a dream and says, Don't be afraid to take Mary unto you as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. They had to be willing to walk in that which they didn't understand. But they had to be, they, they, they wanted to, to, to not only walk in what they didn't understand, but they had to say, Jesus, Lord God, it's all about you. You are my all in all. Everybody look at me. Everybody listen to me. Some of you are going through things you don't understand. Some of you have said, God, if I was you, I wouldn't let you go through this. Some of you are suffering. Some of you have endured rejection. Some of you have hurt financially. Some of you just hurting relationally. God has not let you down. He's the glory. He's still the lifter of your head. But he's looking to see, what are you doing when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? How's your response going to be when nothing is going right? How's your response going to be when they tell you your job's been terminated? What's your response going to be when the doctor gives a bad report? Whose report are you going to believe? Not only did Abram move to a 
distant land, but he says, talking to God, God says, Abram, I'm going to give you a little boy. He says, oh God, can't do that. I'm 99, my wife's 90. She's past the age of childbearing. How would you like God to say that to you, Kathy? That's what Sarah did. She laughed. But God gave him a little boy named Isaac. Romans 4 tells us how Abraham responded. It says Abraham was strong in faith. He didn't waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Dear ones, when your heart seems to catch at your throat, when there's cold chills running down your spine, when everything inside you wants to give up, I just encourage you, look up to heaven and say, God, you're my all in all. And I don't understand this, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep praising you. And my heart may be broken and my emotions may be jello. But right now, Lord, I'm trusting you and I'm believing you to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think. Let me close with this story. Many years ago, I was invited to go to South America to preach in a pastor's conference. That's why we were pastoring up in the Chicago area. I flew to Miami and then I caught one of those red-eye specials. It left Miami about 1 a.m. and landed in Lima, Peru about 5.30 in the morning. Took about an hour and a half, hour and a half two hours to clear customs and get our luggage. Our host met us and they were dear friends and we were glad to see them. They only had one problem. I did not sleep on that flight. So I'd gone a complete night without sleep. We had fun being with them and then I thought they were taking us to the hotel, but then they stopped because there were some more friends that we hadn't seen in a long time in Lima and so we stopped and spent some time with them and so about one o'clock that afternoon they got us to the hotel they said you can sleep now you can rest service starts at seven o'clock we'll pick you up at six I call Lima Peru the city of a thousand honking horns because There's no way. I mean, you lay down and there's just horns blaring outside. Nobody follows the, you know, we have stop signs here in Spanish. P-A-R-E is stop. Nobody obeys that. They just use their horn. I didn't sleep that afternoon. I got there that night. Man, I'm a tired puppy. Church starts at 7 o'clock, but in that culture, 7 o'clock doesn't mean a whole lot. So it gets started about 8 o'clock that night. They put me on the platform. They've been announcing, I'm coming. I'm preaching that night and I'm speaking three times the next day and I'm speaking two times the following day. I'm really tired. The music starts. They put a guy with a big bass drum. I mean, much bigger than this one, but a big bass drum. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm right next to him. And that guy is hammering that drum whether the music calls for it or not. I mean, he's just happy. He's making a joyful noise. It's giving me a headache. I'm sleep deprived. I've got a headache. And now I'm saying, oh God, may they please just get me up there to speak so I can get this over with. Boom, 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 boom. 
They have a lot of speakers. I don't get up there until about, I don't know, 9.30 or so, 10 o'clock. I preach, and then I think, oh, Lord, thank you that I got through that. Now, can I please go to the hotel? But they have three more speakers, including a, a missionary who gives a, a very boring slide presentation. And the people stayed. I couldn't imagine. The people stayed for it. Then somebody got up and gave an altar call. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I just want to get to the hotel. And to my amazement, three people responded after sitting through all of that stuff and that boring slide presentation. There are three people came forward and gave their hearts to Christ. And I'm sitting there and I'm so tired. I've lost my joy. I've lost my shout. But I see these people coming forward to give their hearts to Christ. And I had to repent and say, oh, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me because I did not make you my all in all. I made my weariness and my tiredness and my jet lag. I was listening to that more than I was listening to you. Dear ones, in this whole world, we're going to suffer persecution in this whole world. There's going to be difficulties in this whole world. Life's not going to play along always. What we've got to learn to do is look up to heaven and say, Jesus, I thank you that you're my all in all and that you're at work. And dear ones, I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost will come and start helping you and start ministering to you and start helping you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're suffering in your body this morning, I speak healing. I speak signs and wonders and miracles and healings to you. Somebody, you're suffering in your back. I think it's on the left side. I believe God's healing you this morning. Who is that? Who's got this? You got something going on? The, is that you, Betty? The left side of your back. Anybody else? Bruce, too. Well, in the name of Jesus. We can't lay hands on you anyway. In the name of Jesus, we speak healing and wholeness. Guys, just extend your hands towards Betty right back here. She's wearing the beautiful lady in the red dress. Bruce is the very handsome guy with the saxophone. Just take your, hand, take your hand toward him. Lord God, we speak healing and wholeness in the name of Jesus. Healing and wholeness. Somebody else in the back of your neck, you've just got pain. I don't know, I don't know how you've injured it or what's happened, but I speak healing and wholeness to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I was looking through a file the other day and I found a, a letter that Sister Betty Shelley has sent to me. Betty was now in heaven and she was the wife of Pastor Robert Shelley and they served Christian Heritage Church for 17, 18, 19 years. And after they had retired, they were worshiping here. And she was having some heart problems. And she and here's in the letter, she says, she said, she said, Terrell, 
she said you mentioned that God was healing somebody's heart and I felt the warm healing virtue of Jesus Christ I felt the warm healing power of the Holy Ghost all over me and I've not had any problems since then hallelujah hallelujah you know, I'm not a healer you're not a healer but Jesus is the healer thank you Lord thank you Jesus every head bowed every eye closed nobody looking around nobody talking if you died today do you have the assurance you'd wake up in heaven if you died today do you have the assurance you'd wake up in heaven the Bible says this appointed man to man wants to die but after that the judgment the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God the Bible says there's none righteous no not one but the Bible also says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity this day to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've walked with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you've loved Jesus and have loved being in His presence and loved worshiping Him and loved going to church, but something happened. Maybe your best friend betrayed you. Maybe you were in an accident and things didn't turn out good. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you had a financial reversal. The Lord stands with hands wide open this morning and says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy. And my burden, my burden is light. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, nobody talking right now. You can say, Terrell, I need the Lord in my life. I want Jesus Christ to be my King and my Lord, my Savior. I want to make heaven my home. One day, just lift up your hand and take it right back down. Leave it up long enough so that I can see it. Yes. Thank you. I see two right back here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? The stillness of this moment. Terrell, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I'd make heaven my home. Anybody else? Hallelujah. For those guys, for you, for you two that raised your hand, just come down here and pray with me and Kathy. Kathy, come with me. That's it. Just come, come join us down here. say Lord God today I trust your shed blood as the full payment for all of my sins I repent I turn away from sin I turn to the Lord Jesus Christ I make you my Lord Jesus I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus name pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. 
For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.